Welcome to What in the World Language Podcast. I'm here today with Thomas Soth and Noah Geisel. So today we're going to talk a little bit here at ACTFL 2019 in Washington, D.C. about social justice and equity issues and the importance as educators of giving students voice and choice in our classrooms and what that looks like and how we go about doing that work. So without any further ado, let's get started. So Thomas, you were mentioning earlier that uh, you got a unit coming up on uh, human rights. That sounds very fascinating. You want to walk us through that? Like, what is that? What does that look like? Well, I can say it's it's a it can be a tough subject. Uh, I think I started doing human rights with students when most of my students in a, a level four class were seniors in high school, and now the majority of my level four students are freshmen in high school and and sophomores. So wow, you've been working with them from the beginning. I, Pretty much, but I would say in working with the, the, the younger students, it's interesting because they, they know less about the idea of human rights, but at the same time, they're much more open to discuss it and express their opinions um, in a less fearful manner. They're not always looking around to see other people's reactions. They actually, I don't know, I think you get a little more truth from younger people. I think most parents will tell you that too. So what do you do to make them feel comfortable? You say they feel comfortable talking about this. So is it is this like a process of working with these students, building relationships? How do you go about making your students feel comfortable talking about complex issues such as human rights? So what's that? We've been doing this for years. What's the easiest way to start understanding the, the life around you? Look at the life outside. Let's say we're talking about human rights and immigration. People might have perspectives differently depending on a where you come from, what your parents think about it. But they don't really have an opinion yet about immigration in Spain and Europe. And it's a huge topic and people argue about it and the same issues we encounter here, the same thoughts, the same prejudice, the same idea of like, someone's taking my job or something like that, is that you might have that same perspective there and then you can read articles, have that authentic material from the target culture, and then it makes you better reflect and see your own culture through a new lens. That's important. Um, so tell us a little bit, I meant to ask you this at the first jump start here at the podcast, but tell us a little bit about your, yourself, who you are, your language journey, what, what kind of things you, you do. My who language is journey, well, I started uh, in high school learning Spanish, and I'm a failed high school Spanish student, um, so I really understand I hope to, that, that struggling student, or probably disinterested more, more or less. Right. And then um, I got more academic when I started reading more books. And so I became an English major in college, have an English degree, had to get four semesters of Spanish, painful. Did not want that pain to go to waste, so I kept going. And then, hey, you can go abroad for a semester, went abroad for a year in Argentina, and then came back and thought, well, I still want to be an English teacher. <laughs> and um, I decided to get a job after college. My wife was in graduate school at Elon University in North Carolina, and I worked in human resources because I spoke Spanish. And then I'm like, ah, maybe I'll be a Spanish teacher. And so I took classes at night and started teaching when I was 27. Amazing. And from then, the journey has gone on. I met the 
this guy I know in 2012, 2012, and every day I walk into the classroom and 99% of the time I have fun. Some people teach for save the world, some really love children, and for some reason I just like being in the classroom every day because I think it's fun. If it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be there. Right, right. So, Noah, introduce yourself, sir. Um, Tell you know, us. And I don't want Thomas to undersell him. I mean, he's a leader, not just in North Carolina <laughs> with flank. He, he's on the school He's being board. humble. He's, yeah, I mean, th this guy is a He's like giant being super humble over here. Um, and uh, thanks for sharing your journey, a kind of a very similar path. Uh, my, my name is Noah Geisel. I had the honor in 2013 of being the National Language Teacher of the Year for ACTFL. And um, like Thomas didn't necessarily grow up seeing myself as a teacher. Uh, found my way there because that was how I was going to be able to get a job uh, as a Spanish teacher. I also was an English major just like you. And you know, as soon as I started teaching Spanish, I just fell in love with it and realized that that, that was kind of where the fun was. So, you know, thinking about um, being here at such a huge conference such as ACTFL, uh, and there's many different types of sessions, I've, I've had a focus. My eye has been on the sessions dealing with uh, critical lens, social justice issues, equity in the classroom, and what that looks like for teachers. Um, I'd like for either one of you to speak on that. Like, how, do, how does that reflect it in your classrooms, in your personal life experience, what does it mean to give students voice and choice? What does it mean for, for us as educators to be inclusive in our language and in culture and how we teach culture? And perhaps how, do, how does that align with actual standards? Uh, what do you see your role in this, in this part? Or if you have a specific session that you saw and want to mention uh, the power of that session, you can do that also. Do you know, I mean, one place that my mind goes, and this might not be exactly where your question was going, but piggybacking on where Thomas was talking about, you know, kind of where students' level of readiness comes in on this journey. Um, one of the things that I'm just noticing on a trend is the sessions I'm going to with a very similar kind of take is yourself, Chris's uh, teacher's level of readiness, right? That in order to bring equity and in order to bring social justice into classrooms, we also need to have educators who are able to be the messengers of those messages. And so just being in different sessions and seeing where, you know, we, we have a pretty broad spectrum, I think, of, of where folks are in their level of readiness and in a lot of cases even willingness um, to begin and pursue that journey. I, I think that, you know, one person in particular is Dory, um, at DoryCP, I believe is her Twitter handle. And, you know, she gave a session yesterday that there were people visibly uncomfortable in the room. I, I, think I was you were there. there. Yes, yes. Um, and you could see some just physical reactions to people who were not yet ready. And um, for every single one of those, there were other people in the room who were, you know, especially women, people of color, who were not enthusiastically. And, you know, their physical reaction was, finally. Finally. And, um, you know, that it just matters. Representation matters. We saw that in the keynote yesterday. I expect it in the closing keynote tomorrow. And um, I'm just really excited about how far we've come and just the sort of, um, I think, kind of wave of recognition of how far we still have to go. And I think what, part of what we're, when we're looking at this as language teachers is the idea of the effective filter, right? We want, we want kids to be ready to speak. We want kids to be able to take something in. And so there's, I think that there's a, a little fear sometimes about the making something uncomfortable. But I love uh, L.J. Randolph from mm. the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. He says, some of these discussions are uncomfortable. He's like, that's fine. 
that's part of the growth area. You grow more when things are just a little uncomfortable. You know, maybe that's the I plus one when it comes to social justice. Wow, that's an interesting connection. So really, it, it's about being vulnerable as an educator? Do you, do you think it's about being vulnerable uh, in front of your students? I think so, especially, you know, your students come from a variety of, of backgrounds. Um, sometimes they don't see it. I'm, I live in a community where there are students with million dollar houses and students that are living in trailer parks and they're all in the same classroom together and you know not everybody's ready to tell their story so i'm not going to force that on them but right. if when those stories are told i think the eyes open and somebody's like oh i thought that was the other world no that's my world too it's a tear but i just don't see it so have you noticed since you have you say you have that diverse spectrum in your in your classroom of students that from trailer park to million dollar homes, um, how do those issues of class come up and wealth uh, in your curriculum? Does it come up at all? Do you like touch on those issues? And if so, like has, has there been any conflict between students navigating those spaces? Right? Does that I would, make sense? I would, that does make sense. And I, I will say, sadly, it, you see it a lot on the as students progress through school you see a level four class of freshmen where everybody's in that class they've come from maybe from a dual language immersion program maybe from a middle school program and they've come in high school and high school classes are by choice and so they come in they you see a bunch of diversity in those these freshman classes and, and then you look in that sophomore class junior class to, to senior class and you don't see that economic racial religious diversity as as people go up into those higher levels you can see a big market between just a standard class and an, an advanced placement class would you say the ap classes are geared more toward you see the the population being more white students because i've i've seen data that shows that that uh, black and brown students uh are disproportionately affected by uh ap offering you know what I mean? No, it's they're not. not that's, that's, they're not represented. It, is that for the, your school? Is it different? Or? I think that. I mean, so if you look at my AP classes, I have a lot of. Um, we have the Hispanic students, but they've kind of been invited. They've felt comfortable from the beginning. They've they've got voice. We're looking at culture in Latin America, so they're like, oh wow, this is. I know this. This is connected to my family. So they feel like that's part of the their family, and so. They're there, but also their friends are in the classroom. So they're like, oh, I'm going on, you're going on. Okay. And I think if you look into like an AP English classroom, you might see, no, nah, you, don't, you don't see those same kids there. Right. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I want to add on to the vulnerability comment you made, Chris. And Please do. You know, I, I think one of the things that I'm sort of learning is in addition to vulnerability, there's humility and curiosity. Yes. And you know that... As Thomas was pointing out, L.J. Randolph, right? Dory, we are surrounded by these amazing leaders that know so much more than us, and they're still learning, right? And they're modeling how to be humble and curious and vulnerable. And so, you know, I think it's really just both important and a great opportunity for our fellow educators to seize on to say, you know what, I, there's things I'm not getting here. And, you know, it's okay to feel defensive, especially if you recognize that. I'm feeling defensive right now, and maybe instead of responding to that defensiveness, I'm going to explore it and find out if maybe, you know, as Thomas talked about, the being uncomfortable, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and learning. You know, the, and there are things I used to say early career. There's things I probably said like last week 
that a few months from now I'm going to be just shocked that you know the Noah of today thought that was okay. You know that, that we're all learning and growing on this journey, and you know I, I, we're, I'm just really grateful for folks like LJ who are out there helping us, just kind of holding a mirror up to us basically, and helping us figure out how to better serve students. But I think I think you said the curiosity. If you can spark that curiosity, mm. rather than like, well let's ex let's explore, let's let's talk about the diversity here. No, right. let's let's check this out. This is not this is not about right. you. This is something different. This is really cool. It's you know, it's, it's about how you present that information, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't force anything on anyone, as you mentioned earlier. You could that social justice effective filter. I've never heard that, but I I I could see that completely. It's it's about how we as educators present this type of information to our students that could either uh, spark interest or turn on that effective filter and shut them completely I mean, how much down. social justice do we hear in music? Depends on the music. But there's, it's out there, right? It is out there. Do you have examples you'd like to share? Well, it's just, okay. So for um, working on immigration, there are a lot of Im immigration songs out there. Um, and not all of it is comfortable if you actually start talking about what the lyrics mean, but the lyrics and the beat can, can attract students in there. Um, para Norte, Calle Trece. Right, um, right. Powerful. That's powerful, powerful right? Uh, the Hormiguero, also, also Calle Trece. I really like Calle Trece. So. Yeah, they're, they're a good group. They're, and um, they're very political. They are. So. And so when you, all of a sudden, students are like, ah, I like this song, I like the rhythm, I like the beat. All right, let's, well, let's analyze this. That's the hook. That's the hook. Then you can break it apart. That's, those are some good, good strategies, Thomas. I really like I really like those uh, those types of works in classrooms where we're you hook students, you use things that are like relevant to their lives in that moment, hook them like you said, and then discuss the broader issues. Right. So, um, as we wrap up here, is there any parting words that you would have for teacher educators on this or teachers on this journey of being more equitable? in their classrooms, any words of wisdom? Well, I'm working on it every day. Um, I work with the college board and their, their equity statement is, your AP classroom should look like the makeup of your school. Um, and I'm not there yet, but we're working on it. And uh, making it interesting, bringing in relevant resources that reflect the entire spectrum of your school and the world, will be more inviting and more interesting. So try it, bring new stuff in. Be humble. Be humble. And you're listening to What in the World Language Podcast. <laughs>